Amen. And I hope that is a true testimony of yours that with, you know, lifted hands, we can surrender all that we have. You know, we, we look through the Bible and we see in Old Testament time, we see in New Testament time, miracles that happen all through God's Word. I believe this book is a miracle in and of itself as God portrays to us who He is. And understanding that miracles happen when something out of the ordinary happens that cannot be done within the frame of what we know as the world. A miracle happens when God steps in. You know, walking on the water is a miracle. We cannot walk on water. It takes something out of our nature for that to happen, and that's through God. And we see all through Scripture miracles, and we know that if there's something in God's Word, it's there for a reason. And today I want to pose to you the question, why miracles? Have you ever wondered why do we see miracles? Why did God need to do miracles? Now, we're not, of course, going to be able to give every answer, and we don't know the full detail of all these miracles, but in our passage today, I believe we're going to be able to see at least three reasons why there are miracles in the Bible. Or better than that, three reasons why God does miracles. Do you know miracles still happen today? Amen. And we see them all around us. Sometimes we don't regard them as miracles, and sometimes we just overlook them. I remember the story of one who had cancer. They had their x-rays made. There was cancer there, and they wanted to send them overseas to go see a specialist. So they got their x-rays. They got on the airplane, and they began praying as they traveled over the ocean that the Lord would just perform a miracle. Now, let me pause here just because we understand sometimes God's will is not an ultimate healing. We don't understand what God's will is all the time. But in this particular instance, this person was praying for a miracle. The plane landed. They went to go see the specialist. The specialist took the x-rays, took some more scans, and looked at them. And then the specialist come back and said, I need to ask you one question. Whose x-rays are these that you brought me? They said, they're my x-rays. He said, the x-rays you brought me show a body eaten up with cancer. The scans I just did, there is no sign of cancer. That, church, is a miracle. God still performs miracles today. I believe that there are miracles happening that we don't see as we go our everyday life, and God protects us. Sometimes we never see the miracle because we didn't know what was coming. We each in our lives have gone through a difficult circumstance at some point, and we were like, oh God, why is this happening? And I believe that sometimes we go through those difficult, those heart-wrenching situations where there doesn't seem to be any light at the end of the tunnel so that God can perform a miracle. And God never acts without a reason. So if you'll take your Bible this morning and open to the book of Acts chapter 9 and verse 32. And once you have turned there, if you would please stand in honor as we read God's word this morning. Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 32. 
Now as Peter was traveling through all those regions, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydia. There he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years, for he was paralyzed. Peter said to Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. Immediately he got up, and all who lived at Lydia and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in the Greek is called Dorcas. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it happened at that time that she fell sick and died, and when they had washed her body, they laid it in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men imploring him, Do not delay in coming to us. So Peter arose and went with them. When he arrived, they brought him into the upper room, and all the windows, excuse me, all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. But Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and raised her up, and calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. It became known all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. Father God, thank you for your word. Lord, today as we look at this, Father, would you please speak to us? Father, I ask that you would speak to me, a vessel, a servant, willing this morning to be used by you. And Father, may it be you speaking through me. Father, help us to hear from Holy Spirit. Father God, I just pray it all in the precious and the holy name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. I want to start off here with showing you a map. I think that's what's next on there. But let's take a look at this map. If you'll notice, kind of in the middle on the left, you see the, the Lydda right there where the green and the red intersect. That is about 25 miles north of Jerusalem. And then if you go about another 10 miles over to the seashore, you see Joppa. That's the two cities that we're going to be looking at today. So I want you to have that idea. You see Jerusalem kind of in the, the lower bottom part there. And we're going to be talking about why miracles. And we need to understand that there's a lot here for us to grasp and to understand. And we begin seeing that the one that is doing this is who? None other than the apostle Peter. Now, it doesn't use the word apostle here, so I want to refer you back to Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and 
Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Theodos, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. Now, if you notice at the very beginning there, it says, Jesus summoned the twelve disciples. He gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. An apostle is one who is called by God, sent out by God, and was given authority over demons and over unclean spirits. And as we see these apostles making their way around, we can sometimes see some relationship to what Jesus did. An apostle being called by Jesus and was sent out is one who was going out on behalf of the one who had called them. And when Jesus spoke to them, he personally commissioned each of them to go out with these powers. And that's exactly what we see Peter doing here as we see him raising some up. Now, we don't exactly know how the church there got started. Many believe it could have been from the persecution and those that had already gone out. But we do know that Peter was traveling around as a, we would call it maybe an itinerant evangelist, one who would go from place to place to place. He wasn't at one set place all the time. And we see there in Scripture that he came down also to the saints, the holy ones, the ones who were following God. We only see this word used referring to Christians just a couple of times right here in the book of Acts. But if you notice, when we were looking at that map, I showed you Jerusalem and that Lydda was north of Jerusalem. Well, why is the Bible saying he came down also to the saints? Do you all remember I mentioned a while back, and just to read it, the temple was in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was up on a hill. So anytime you have reference of anything, it's from Jerusalem. So they actually had to go down to get to anywhere else. So he's going out and he's preaching the word of God. And while he was there, he found a man named Aeneas who was bedridden for eight years. And it goes on to tell us not only was he bedridden, but he was paralyzed. Paralyzed beyond what any medical help in their day or time could do. Most often today when we see someone paralyzed, not just lame, it goes on even beyond most of our time what medical could do. This man had been paralyzed for eight years. And something is fixing to happen in his life. But why does God do miracles? I believe one of the first things that we can look at as we see here that God does miracles to open doors opens doors. What do I mean by that? Well, we see in here that when Peter performed a miracle through Jesus, that it opened doors for people to hear. It opened doors for people's attention. It, I mean, can you imagine today if we were to witness a miracle? I believe even for us today, it would grab our attention and we would be interested in what was happening. 
We would be interested to hear from the one who was doing that. And because Jesus had just resurrected, claiming to, to be the Son of God and to show that he's still alive and active today, he's chosen apostles in New Testament time to go out on his behalf and to claim the message. Well, what sets them apart? What makes people want to listen? What opens the door but a miracle? Something that they had seen Jesus doing. Something that testified that these men are apostles. These men are different than other people because God had put a call on their lives. It gets their attention. Verse 35, it says, and all who lived there. And in verse 42, it said, became known all over Joppa. It opens doors. But let's take a look here at what happened because Peter did not perform. Let's look, verse 34. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, make your bed, and immediately he got up. I love Peter because Peter always gives credit where credit's due. Do you know how easy it would have been for Peter to walk in and say, Aeneas, get up? And he would have probably gotten up. But Peter here says, Jesus Christ heals you. Let's look back at Acts chapter 3 and verse 6. Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Again, Peter, after healing someone. But Peter said, I do not possess silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. Now stay there and look at verse 16 of still chapter 3. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. In Acts chapter 4 verse 10. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that it is by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. Every time he's even questioned about it, he could have easily begun to slip, but he said it's in Jesus Christ that performs the miracles. But it opens the door because God is always at work around us, and he chooses to use us to be his hands and his feet here on earth so he is working through Peter and Peter told him that it was in the name of Jesus to get up and to make your bed and immediately he got up anytime I get into a medical situation I'm going to refer over to Miss Madeline if someone had been bedridden in your nursing home for eight years and someone come in would they instantly be able to get up and start walking no the bones, the muscles, everything is accurate. This man has been paralyzed for eight years. Not only was he restored to be able to move, but immediately he got up, had enough strength to pick up his own mat and to go about his way. That church is a miracle. And that church opened the door for Peter in that community to begin to spread the gospel even more. But do you know it opened up more than just that door? Because in just a moment, we're going to look at where he raised Dorcas 
from being dead but how did that happen because the word had spread the door was opened even from there all the way over to Joppa and they said hey there's someone over there that's healing people it opened the door for him then to move to Joppa and remember you always hear me say God's always at work around us God needed Peter in Joppa to set up the rest of Peter's story and we're going to get to that uh, just briefly in a moment but he was there and he says he got up and immediately he took up and got up with his bed and it said all who lived at Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord not only does a miracle open doors but I think we can see and hear that miracles change lives would you agree with me this morning that Anais's life was changed? Amen? He was dependent upon society. He was paralyzed. And he went from paralyzed to walking. He went from being dependent on society, one that some people probably wanted nothing to do with, couldn't do anything for herself, to most likely a thriving person in that community. Because once he's able to walk, he's going to want to go to work. We see also in Dorcas's life that she went from dead to alive. And in the widow's life, it changed them. And Peter's life was changing through all of this from a religious legalism to freedom. And we're going to see how that portrays in just a moment. But let's take a look here at, at Tabitha or Dorcas's life. It says, Now in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in Greek is called Dorcas. The woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it happened at the time that she fell sick and died, and when they had washed her body, they laid her in the upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to implore him, do not delay in coming to us. So Peter got up, and he went. That is changing lives. Dorcas is lying there, washed, dead, ready for burial one moment, and in the next moment, she's going to be raised alive. But you know, I, I, we also see here, do y'all remember the town of Joppa from any other Bible story? You remember in the Old Testament, uh, Jonah and the well? Where did Jonah go to flee from God? He went to Joppa. Joppa is right there on the seaport, and Jonah was going to get in that boat, and he was going to travel. But can you see a difference here that when God is actively working, Jonah went to Joppa to flee? And a great storm came upon the Gentiles. And you know the story about the boat and all that's roaring. Now Peter has gone to Joppa at the Lord's command, and there's going to be a storm of Holy Spirit washed through. Change. Joppa was changed because of what happened there. And we begin to see, but we got to understand some other points here that I think is very interesting. It says, The disciples, having heard this, sent two men to him imploring, Do not delay in coming to us. But up in verse 36, now in Joppa, there was a, a what? A disciple named Tabitha. 
at first glance to me and you that okay a disciple named Tabitha only place in scripture where you're going to see the female version of the word disciple now, let me just figure in a little bit in Greek all words are masculine feminine or neuter so you can have a word for disciple and you can tell by the ending is it referring to a man or to a woman only part of scripture where we see a woman being referred to as a disciple I believe that's a very big impact right here and I believe it's a changing of lives as we begin to see the gospels not only for the men the gospels not only for the Jews it begins to go out and we know it goes to the Gentile but it's for men and women what is a disciple it's a follower of Jesus Christ and Dorcas was a follower of Jesus Christ and she lived out her discipleship we know people today who are born again professed believers and we don't see anything in their life Dorcas was living that out what do I mean it was she was living it out let's turn real quick to James chapter 1 verse 27 James chapter 1 verse 27 and we see here it says pure and undefiled religion in the spirit of our God and Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world who are we told is in the upper room with Dorcas the widows they're wailing it says in here that they're weeping I believe they were wailing because what we understand in New Testament time you remember this women were probably second-class citizens might be how we look at it today when the husband died there was no one left to provide for the women and these widows are being taken care of here by Dorcas living out her faith it says that she was making clothes for them Dorcas was doing the job of a Christian of a disciple of the church in helping the widows and probably the children these ladies came and when Peter come in they were like they were weeping is like look at what Dorcas has been doing it talks about the tunic that's the the inner garment you've seen those probably like the long robe and then it also talks there about their outer covering the uh, garments look Peter she's been helping us who's gonna help us now who's gonna take care of us and Peter saw the need and lives were changed Peter sent them all out of the room knelt down and prayed and turning to the body he said Tabitha arise and she opened even her eyes and when she saw Peter she sat up that is a little bit familiar if I would go back in the New Testament when Jesus was there and the young man's daughter named um, Jairus all the people were in the room weeping what did Jesus do he sent everybody out of his disciples and Jesus healed her Peter here living out his faith being an apostle I believe he probably looked around and not gonna make a spectacle out of this everyone leave the room 
what did Peter do? Again, did Peter tell her, Tabitha, get up? No, Peter got on his knees and he prayed. You know what praying symbolizes for us, church? Our dependence on God. Why do we pray? God already knows. Our dependence on God. He's calling out, Jesus, you're the one that does this. We don't know exactly what he said. And upon praying to God, he looked at Tabitha and he said, Arise. That is the same word that's used up in verse 34. The King James uses arise in both of those. Some other translations, some different words. When you translate, you take a word and they go with what is equivalent to our language today. So I think we might kind of miss maybe this arise and arise. It's God doing the work. And in reading this, it tells us that he stayed with the name Tabitha arise because that is the same words minus one letter change that Jesus used in a story when he raised someone. And for us, okay, great, no big deal. But for them, they would have understood those words. They would have known what that was in the reference to the power of Jesus Christ that was being called. And she opened her eyes when she saw Peter and set up. And then it says, and he gave her his Okay. She set up, he stuck his hand out, she took it. So what? What do the Jews believe about dead people? They're unclean. You don't touch them. Peter is in the process of being changed himself. Being used by God is not only changing those around him, it's not only opening doors, but it's changing him. Because I also want you to look there at verse 43 real quick. It says, And Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. Here we go again. What words are important? A tanner. What does a tanner do? He takes dead animals and he skins them and he makes things out of them. Peter is going from being um, a religious, legalistic type person because that's kind of the culture they were in to being freed in Christ. Not only is he taking the hand of a woman who was just dead, now he's going to say some time in the home of a man that deals with nothing but dead animals. It opens doors when miracles happen. We see it today and we hear about it. It changes lives, not only those that are being directly affected, but those who are doing the miracle or being a part of the miracle. But you know, miracles also, thirdly, and probably the most greatest, oftentimes they lead to salvation. Amen? God doesn't do anything for no reason. Because doors have been opened, because lives have been changed, it leads to salvation. Let's look back at verse 35. And all who lived at Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Verse 42, it became known all over Joppa and many believed in the Lord. These miracles were happening, lives were being changed, and salvation was occurring. Now understanding that and looking how that goes, that they turned to him from where they were, they turned to the Lord. They heard about what was happening and many believed in the Lord. 
if we could go back to when this was happening and we were to go and ask Anais, did you enjoy being paralyzed? What do you think he would say? No. If we went to Dorcas and we said, hey, Dorcas, did you enjoy being dead? What would she have said? No. But because there was difficulty in lives, it opened the door for miracles to happen. God is always at work around us. Why miracles? Because they open the doors. They change lives and they lead to salvation. You know, I go through difficult time in my life. And most every one of you in here has gone through something difficult in your life. And if I was to sit down, and I have with many of you, and I was to ask you, we were one-on-one, -on -one, did you enjoy that? No way. I didn't enjoy that. You probably had gotten to the point that you said, why me, God? I mean, can you imagine what Job went through? Why me? Why does God allow things to happen to good people? Maybe so that he can perform a miracle. Why does God need to perform a miracle? Taking your life in a difficult situation, God working in there, you then have a testimony, and it opens doors. It opens doors for God to work in other people's lives. Miracles change lives, and they lead to salvation. Peter stayed many days with a tanner named Simon. How interesting. Simon, Peter's name was Simon. But I think it's interesting that he stayed there with this tanner. And it's setting the stage because that's where God needed Peter to be so that people in Cornelius, as we're going to be seeing, could find him. And it begins to set the stage for God to continue to change the life of Peter. From being just a religious, fanatic, legalistic, to freedom in Christ. So maybe we could answer that. If we took the broad question of why miracles, we've said because miracles open doors, miracles change lives, and miracles lead to salvation. But maybe we could say that miracles allow God in a powerful way. So when you see a miracle happening, look for God. When you're going through a difficult time, look for the miracle. Because there's one coming. But what we must understand is God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are higher than our ways. And God does perform miracles. We have Ananias, we have Peter, we have widows, we have Dorcas, we have Simon, we have all the people in these communities that saw this miracle and it changed their life forever. Do you know all these 2,000 years ago, all of these stories opened doors and changed lives and led to salvation? me tell you why I'm glad it happened because that affected me and it affected you these stories wouldn't be we wouldn't have this word the way we have it today if that didn't happen 
because of those incidences all that time back, it still gives us opportunities to open doors, opportunities to change lives as we see God at work. As Peter made it obvious, it is Jesus Christ doing the work. Jesus Christ doing the work. May our prayer be, Jesus Christ, do a miracle in me so that it can open doors, change lives, and lead to salvation. Understanding that, I want you to look back at the difficult situation you've been in. Think of the worst one. For some of us, it might not have been long that long ago. As much as you didn't like being there and understanding that God performs miracles through there, could you answer today and positively say, looking back at it now, that it was worth it? Because it gave an opportunity for doors to be opened, for lives to be changed around you, your own, and could very well have led to someone's salvation. Is there anything too great for us to bear of someone else to come to salvation. Why miracles? God works.